0: I'm trying to remember. It was a wonderful experience. I can sort of tell you, maybe some stories will come up. I can kind of tell you some of the things we did.
1: Yeah, tell me about the Rome Temple, about your responsibilities and kind of how you got them.
0: (laughs) I'll start. I'll start even before that. I'll I'll tell you what. I'll tell you a story about the the first baptism in Rome. How about that?
2: Welcome back to Temple Tours. We are your hosts, Kelsey.
1: Kelsey and Jerrica, and we are so excited for today's episode. Our goal is to virtually take you to each temple around the world. We discuss the history of each area, little-known facts, architectural symbolism, and we'll always include at least one personal story submitted by you, our listeners. Between the temple grounds,
2: visitor center, and temple itself, there's so much symbolism and history, so we've decided to divide this temple into two episodes. Today we will be covering the history and in the next that will air sometime in the future, we will discuss the
1: symbols that are found on these magnificent grounds. The temple we are discussing today shocked members from around the world when it was announced. It was anticipated for years and only operated for exactly one full year before it closed due to the pandemic. This temple is special to hundreds of thousands of people, however, for our guests today, it is especially remarkable. Today, we are also joined by Paul and Rachel, who will share why this temple is so important to them. Though before we get to their stories, we'll need to give you a little history of the area and the temple itself. Rome is so rich
2: in history, even our own church history. It's hard to know exactly where to begin. So let's go all the way back to New Testament times. When Paul first arrived in Rome, there was already a group of saints gathered. And unfortunately, we don't know who initially took the gospel to Italy. Romans 15.23 Though he arrived as a prisoner, early Roman saints traveled as far as 69 kilometers or 43 miles to meet him. Paul was imprisoned and eventually beheaded at Rome. It is believed by many that his burial place was found just outside of the original city walls and is now on display at the St. Paul Cathedral in Rome. Eventually, all of Christ's apostles were killed, and the great apostasy began. Many of the things that Christ had taught were changed, and over time his teachings were mixed with other beliefs of the area at the time. The apostasy didn't happen overnight. There's evidence found throughout Italy that principles like baptism by immersion continued well into the early days of the Catholic Church.
1: It wasn't until 30 years after Joseph Smith's first vision in June of 1850 that Lorenzo Snow, TBH Stenhouse, and Giuseppe Taranto arrived in Genova to open the Italian mission. In 1852 the church began printing the Book of Mormon in Italian, Il Libro di Mormon. Unfortunately by 1862 active proselyting stopped and in 1867 the mission was closed completely. At that point, most of the people who had joined the church in Italy immigrated to Utah. Only six stayed in Italy.
0: Basically, I had always wanted to go on a mission, since I can remember. There were missionaries serving in our ward, and I used to go out with them, and I always wanted to go on a mission. And since my name was German, and since my ancestors are German, and the only person in our ward who had ever been on a mission went to Germany, I was certain that I would be called to Germany. So in and, and, and my first semester of BYU, I took German and then went on a semester abroad to Salzburg, Austria for you know, a second semester to get my German as as good as possible You know, even though it wasn't all that great. And then I got called to Italy. In fact, when I received my call, this was in August of 1966, there was no Italian mission, I didn't think. And it turned out that in that same month, Elder Benson in Florence, he had dedicated Italy for for again, and the Italian mission was created. So our group of missionaries, we might have been the first, but I think there was a smaller group before. There were 12 of us. We arrived on September the 4th 1966. There were already missionaries there that had transferred down from Switzerland and from Germany, and we were the ones that were first called to the, the Italian mission.
1: During that first year in Italy, Lorenzo Snow wrote a letter to Orson Hyde, poetically sharing his feelings about Italy and her future. He said, O Italy, thou birthplace and burial ground of the proud Caesars, and of literature and arts, and once the center of the world's civilization, who shall tell all the greatness which breathes in the story of thy past? Here reposes the dust of millions that were mighty in ages gone by, and flooded the earth with the fame of their deeds. But is there not here save the tomb of thy past? O Italy, an eternal winter followed the summer of thy fame, and frosted the flowers of thy genius, and clouded the sunbeams of glory? No, the future of thy story shall outshine the past, and thy children shall yet be more renowned than in the ages of old." I see around me many an eye which will, one day, glisten with delight at the tidings of eternal truth, many a countenance which will adorn the assemblies of the living God." In
2: 1900, the church attempted to reopen the mission, but was rejected by the government. Members of the church continued to worship in Italy in small branches. The Italian mission wasn't organized until August 1966. By 1978, membership was over 7,000 and it doubled again to 14,000 by 1990. Though the church had been present in Italy for many years, it wasn't until 1993 that the church was granted formal legal status as a religious association.
0: My first companion in Rome was Elder DeMarco, Thomas DeMarco. And Rome is mainly apartment buildings. There's very few single family homes in the entire, I mean, there's thousands of apartment buildings and one or two regular homes. So most of our tracting was to apartment buildings. And every day we would go out and knock on doors. That's pretty much what we did. We did end up setting up a display in a couple of uh, piazzas uh, later, but we would go out and and many apartments have a doorman, portieri, that their main job is to keep salesmen and missionaries from going into the apartment. So one day we're we're tracting along, we get in an apartment and somebody calls the portiere and we, you know, get tossed out of the building, as I recall. And we end up talking to this portiere who was a very interesting guy because he had been against the fascists and they put him in a prison camp and he lost an arm during the war. And he took up the habit of smoking in the prison camp, anything he could find. He had the worst smoking habit I've ever seen. He would smoke just grass, just regular grass. This just was part of his life. But he was interested in our in our in what we had to say. And he was an interesting guy because a portiera doesn't make anything. At that time, he made 80 euro a month, and he had a free apartment. And he and his wife lived in this apartment and they had absolutely no money. Wonderful guy. We started teaching him and and he was interested all the way through. His wife sort of, but he he was very interested. But when we got to the word of wisdom, he said, <laughs> <laughs> He said, There's no way. He says, I've been smoking basically all my life. There's it's impossible. That's not even, let's not even consider it. So we went ahead and we talked to him a little bit more. And pretty soon we ran out of the discussions. We had seven discussions at the time. And, and then we ran out of things to talk about. And in the meantime, Elder DeMarco, my first companion, got transferred. And Elder Jessup became my companion. So Elder Jessup and I one day thought we'd just stop by and say hello to the consulis, see how they were doing. And so we stopped by. During the conversation, it came out that their their nephew, was three years old, and he had meningitis, and he was in the hospital, and he wasn't expected to do very well. And uh, as we're talking about this, Elder Jessup, who was a much braver missionary, <laughs> said, have you ever heard of a priesthood blessing? And I'm going, oh my gosh, Jessup, let's not go there. And he, he said, no. And he, he explained to him what a priesthood blessing was, and he said, would you like us to give a, a blessing to your uh, nephew? And I'm swallowing hard, because Elder Jessup spoke very little Italian. And he said, I think that would be a really good idea. This was like a a Tuesday. And on the next Thursday, we were going to go bless this little boy in the hospital. And we went home and told the other six elders what was going on. And we decided to have a district fast because we hadn't had any success at all in in Rome at this point in in terms of teaching people. And so we decided to fast on Wednesday as a district. So we went back to the Consoli family and explained to them that we were gonna have a fast and that asked them if they would like to, to join us in the fast. And they said they would. And then Brother Consoli said, when you're fasting, do you have to refrain from smoking as well as eating? And we had never really had that question before. And we said, well, we're, we're really not sure. Just, you know, do the best you can. Whatever you think is right would be would be fine. So we had the district fast and Thursday came and we went to the hospital. And I blessed this little boy for whatever reason. And I, I don't know, I don't remember what the reason, maybe fear, maybe just being busy, I don't know. We didn't make it back to the Consoles until the next Monday. So the weekend had gone by and everything, and and I'm dreading asking the question, as to, to what happened? But we go by and say, hey, how's it going? And how's your nephew? And it's oh, he's great. They, he was released from the hospital on Saturday, and it looks like he's fine, you know? And we were just amazed. I was just amazed, I, humbled to the ground. I couldn't believe it, such a tremendous thing. We would use the living room for our church meetings. That way the members didn't have to you know, pay anything and that just the rent from the elders' uh, bedrooms would would pay for the chapel. So we were holding meetings in our apartment on in uh, Piazza Vescovio. And uh, about two weeks later, after sacrament meeting, Brother Consoli shows up. And he hasn't shaved for at least the two weeks. And he just looks terrible, but he's got this huge smile on his face we said what is going on he said i haven't smoked since we started fasting two weeks ago he says it's the greatest achievement of my life i can't believe it and he wanted to to, you know talk about the gospel some more and so a little bit later I, i would say about a week later he decided he wanted to be baptized And he was the first person that had, you know, committed to baptism in Rome.
1: During the October General Conference of 2008, President Thomas S. Monson announced that there would be a temple in Rome. The announcement was exciting for all members of the church. However, it was especially important to the members who lived in Italy and its surrounding countries on the eastern side of the Mediterranean. Massimo De Feo, who at the time was serving as the stake president in Rome, described the reaction to the announcement as, quote, "...what you might expect to see in a sports arena during a last-second win." He said they all shouted. Until the temple was dedicated, members of the
2: church in Italy usually went to Switzerland to attend the temple, oftentimes boarding buses or trains, and journey up to 2,000 kilometers or 1,240 miles to attend the temple. They would typically stay for an entire week, taking turns working in the temple and performing work for their ancestors that they love dearly. During the rare moment that they weren't in the temple, some members would do a little shopping, ensuring to bring home Swiss chocolate. Italians have a deep love and connection to their ancestors. For the 10 stakes in the country, there are 53 family history centers. They are used by anyone who is seeking to know more about their ancestors. Family history research has become a great missionary tool. Many missionaries who are called to Italy have Italian roots, and some end up finding and teaching family members during their missions.
1: With that deep love for ancestors comes incredible cities where ancient and modern technology collide. The church bought 15 acres in the northeast part of Rome, near a freeway junction, a large shopping mall, and an Ikea in 1990. This location is also slightly elevated, making the temple very visible. When the church decided to build on the property, they had to first have it inspected for ancient ruins. This is done by excavating every 10 to 15 feet across the property. As you can imagine, this was nerve-wracking to members across Italy. A fast was held the day of the inspection. Miraculously, they found an ancient village only 90 meters or 100 yards from the site, but nothing was discovered on the temple site itself. With the grounds
2: cleared for construction, the groundbreaking of the temple took place on October 23, 2010. The building progress was slower than usual, but this temple had to be absolutely perfect. Construction was slowed due to the need to replace materials which in a lot of cases meant redoing what was already done. Beginning in the summer of 2013, the Rome-Italy mission set a goal to have 40 baptisms a month, the number of people that fit in an instructional room in the temple. This goal kept the missionary sights on a greater goal, to unite families for eternity. During the construction of the temple, the Rome-Italy mission held several fasts dedicated to the temple and missionary work in the area.
0: We were about to go to the airport to pick up our youngest son, who'd been serving in Mesa, Arizona, on his mission. And I turned to my wife as we were driving to the airport and said, "We need to serve a mission." We called up the the missionary department and asked how you know what did, how do you sign up for a mission? And we found out you know we filled out our paperwork, we got all our medical and all our shots and all this stuff, and we're waiting for our call. And we didn't dare put any place particular where we wanted to go because we didn't want to we wanted it to be someplace where we could be useful, you know, where, where we were really needed, not someplace where, you know, we would have probably put Maui or something like that down on the on the application. And many of our friends were going to Africa, had been called to Africa, and we thought I thought probably we were going to go to Africa. So when our call came, big white envelope, I let Jerry open it since I had already opened one previously and she hadn't. She opened it and it said Rome, Italy mission. She just about went crazy. President Kelly was the mission president at the time and we loved the Kellys. And he decided to call us to serve in Battipaglia. And I, we thought we'd serve in several places you know, during our mission, but as it turned out, we just served in one branch. And it was just the very, very best experience ever. <laughs> you know, you were there. We met some really wonderful people.
2: Before we continue, we would like to remind you that you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at LDS Temple Tours. Be sure you're following us for a more
1: visual version of each episode with pictures and videos. During 2014, not much changed on the exterior of the temple. Progress was difficult to see for the members who could not go inside the construction site, but rather they took in the view from the mall across the street. Although the scaffolding seemed to hug the exterior of the temple for months, there was other work happening on the temple grounds and in other buildings that find home on the property. Progress was still being made. On September 7, 2014, the Rome East stake held a fast dedicated to the temple construction team. In January 2015,
2: the church released the following statement regarding the delayed construction of the Rome temple. In recent months, progress on the Rome-Italy temple slowed due to contractor difficulties not related to this project. Those challenges have been addressed and work will soon resume at a normal pace. No dates have been announced for completion. We are grateful that our members have extended their faith and prayers and sought heaven's help in seeing this important project through to completion. After that, construction hastened and on March 25, 2017, the Angel Moroni was placed on top of the Eastern Spire, a milestone that was long-awaited and anticipated with enthusiasm.
0: It was announced in the spring of 2018, I believe it was, that the dedication of the Rome Temple would occur in January 2019. I immediately emailed Elder Dini Chachi, who had been our stake president when we were there, and, and we had become pretty good friends and uh said you know we're ready to volunteer just let us know and he said there'll be you know information will be coming and about i'm thinking around august uh a website went up where you could sign up as a volunteer to help with the rome temple open house and so we signed up and we didn't ever hear anything back and i emailed again a couple times and And they said, you know, you'll get some information. It's coming and nothing happened. So we just climbed on a plane and flew to Rome and showed up at church on Sunday. (laughs) And I sent an email to Elder Dini Chachi I said, well, here we are, you know, we're, we're ready to serve. And I didn't hear anything. So it was a couple of days later, Elder Dini Chachi called up and said, we're having trouble finding volunteers. Would you be willing to help us with that? And I just, he sent me a, an actual calling. He called us to be assistants to the Temple temple Open House Committee, Jerry and I. And we were to report to Roberto Squarcia, who's a great guy. He's Elder Dini Ciacci's executive secretary. So I went to talk to him and he had set up the website where people could sign up. And uh, he showed me how that worked and how to, you know, where all of the lists were. there were all of these names of people that had signed up. I said, Roberto, nobody has gotten any feedback on this. So we need to, we need to, you know, start talking to these people. So I just started emailing everybody who I had an email address for and trying to contact all these people that had signed up uh, on the on the website. And it was a little tricky because that none, none of them had heard anything and some had changed their plans and some, you know, had uh, grown older. <laughs> I mean, th- th- there were just different things. But uh, pretty soon people started responding one at a time. And they responded, you know, well, here's what we can do. Here's when we can arrive. Here's how long we can stay. Here's how much time we can dedicate. So we started collecting all this information when, you know, their names and their addresses and when they could come and there wasn't enough housing, so they had to get their own housing. There's no parking uh, available, so they needed to take public transportation and, and, and work out all these details. People started responding from everywhere. A lot from Italy. One lady was from Romania uh, that came over. Uh, people from Canada, people from the US, they just started all responding. and We started putting together a schedule. And it, it, was, it was a pretty much around the clock, job for a couple of weeks these special people and for example there were brethren down in the parking area that's a very lonely job mean you're standing there all by yourself you know just having cars come by and it's cold and it's raining and they would be down there sometimes six seven hours at a time without any any replacement these guys are just just soldiers they're just amazing I just, um, I don't know. And and the privilege to work with this caliber of people is just, it's just really, truly amazing.
1: The Rome Temple was dedicated in several sessions spread out from March 10th to March 12th, 2019. Elder Craig A. Cardin of the 70 and former Italy Mission President said this of the city its governance and power during its particular season, its explorers, artists, scientists, and inventors who have contributed so much to the world, and the blessing that the religious power of Rome has been in helping to introduce Christianity throughout the world are all part of Rome's history, now graced by a temple of the Lord. For the first time in history, all 12
2: of the apostles and the first presidency and their wives all gathered for the dedication of a temple some went to italy sooner to meet with other religious and political leaders elder bednar and elder rasband met at the prison where paul was held the modern day apostles walked the same stones peter and paul
1: walked it was a historical event that won't soon be forgotten the temple has been a huge blessing for the church in italy from the very beginning After the announcement, the Rome-Italy stake began seeing baptisms of full families. And in five years, the number of stakes in the country went from three to six. Today, there are 10 stakes in Italy.
0: They were really worried about security at the Rome Temple open house, super strict. And so they had a metal detector that people and all visitors had to go through. But at the metal detector... A couple came through, I don't know, they struck up a conversation with one of the brethren that was working at the metal detector. I'm not gonna look for his name, <laughs> I've forgotten it. He's an amazing guy. And uh, they came through a, a couple days later and he recognized him, he said, Didn't, weren't you just here a couple days ago? And they said, yeah, we were. He said, but we brought our attorneys with us. And he said, why in the world would you bring your attorneys? And they said, well, we were finalizing our divorce and as we got into the celestial the celestial room we were just overwhelmed with these feelings that we had and decided not to divorce and so when we told our attorneys that we were no longer getting a divorce they didn't understand why you know what it would take or why, why we changed our minds so we brought them along to to the open house so they could see what you know that what had affected us so much so that was a An amazing story.
1: The temple was open for one full year before it was closed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Thankfully, during that time, many members and others who had traveled to Italy were able to attend the temple. Rachel, who had served as a missionary from 2012 to 2014 in the Rome-Italy mission, was able to attend the temple soon after the dedication. And she had this to say about the experience.
3: We did baptisms and endowments in the Rome temple. And it was just such a special moment because this was a temple that was so anticipated by Italians and other Europeans and really people around the world. And so we were all so excited and it was like this big community thing. We all, a lot of us came back to, to see the temple. While inside the temple, it was another great experience because there were people from all over the world that were there, people from different cultures. And it just shows like that you can go anywhere in the world and have a temple, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Just experience the blessings from the gospel that we can have for eternity together with, doesn't matter um, what culture you come from or where, what country you come from, but that we can all experience it together. And the temple is just one of the meeting places, the house of God, where we can be with our brothers and sisters. And it was a moment where everything kind of came together, and I'm really grateful for it.
1: Usually now is when we tell you all about the symbols found in the architecture of the temple. However, because there is so much we can talk about with this temple. We've decided that we will be discussing her symbols in another episode dedicated to Rome. Grazie a tutti per lo scotto. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode about
2: the Rome Temple. Be sure to join us this week on Facebook and Instagram as we share pictures of this incredible building.
1: If you have any uplifting stories you'd like to submit about your temple, please email us at ldstempletours at gmail.com.
4: Temple Tours is a production of Mecco Radio. Jerrica Denison and Kelsey Josie hosted today's episode. Special thank you to Rachel Miranda and Paul Sherbel for sharing their stories. This episode was written and produced by Jerrica Denison, and I, Alex Williams, edited this program. The music we used includes Where I Find Rest by Sunwash, In the Clouds by Be Still the Earth, Wonderland by Midtro, Ray, by Kevin Graham, Horizon by Cloud Cover, Intro by Miles Creedick, and After All This Time by Ben Winwood. A full list of sources and credits can be found in the show notes. And we should note this is not an official podcast of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.
1: Mecco.